in the chains of mediocrity. Um, have you ever uh, just felt like you're just living average and you know you're not supposed to, but it's almost like you can't get past average? The mediocrity has just been eating your lunch. And, and I wanted to talk to you about that today because there's things that happen in our walk in Christianity that affects that. And we need to know how to break out of that. We need to know, is God a big God? Or is God a God that is you know, constantly going to hold us at mediocrity? Is He holding us at average? No, He says... Uh, if you'll do the, in Deuteronomy 28, he says, if you'll do these things and be obedient, I will set you high above the nations of the earth. This is constantly the way that the Lord talks. He talks about setting you in high places. Promotion. Promotion is from me, he says. These are the things that God is after, and we need to learn how to break out of mediocrity. So I want to just talk to you about that, um, particularly how to have a full life uh, we've been doing a lot of fasting, but I'm, I'm going to apply it to that as well, is how to have a full life through fasting and not just a moment, right? I don't want you to just have a full life for a moment. I want you to have a full life that's in the overflow, that's in abundance, and it's continuous. It's ongoing all the time where the Lord is constantly allowed, and I say allowed, that's an important word, allowed to keep you in the high places of promotion instead of just every now and then. Have you ever noticed when you do something for the Lord, like when you fast or something like that, like you get on this high and it's like, man, God is awesome and yeah, yeah. And then it's like two weeks later, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, and it, you're walking kind of in that mediocrity level. Well, here's one of the things that happens. It's the same way. Have you ever been prayed? You ever been in a service? And man, the Lord is moving. I mean, the power of God is moving you get pray, prayed for, and man, you feel the anointing of God, and then all of a sudden, uh, you're, it's like everything's great. And then you walk out the door, and it's not so great anymore. Or a few days later, everything's not so great anymore. That's mediocrity, and the devil does a great job of keeping us there, and we've done a great job of listening to him, and that's what needs to stop. So we've got to break those chains. So... I want to um, just throw something to you about fasting. I know in the beginning of this year, we've been doing, I think everybody I talked to did some kind of fasting. And it, man, I appreciate that so much because I've never seen that happen. And yet, and we've been hearing testimonies of breakthrough. And, and not, you know, sometimes breakthrough doesn't necessarily have a name on it. Sometimes breakthrough is just... I feel free. I feel different. You know, I just, like I read the word, it's coming alive to me again. You know, stuff like that. Sometimes breakthrough is just, I feel, I feel light again. And I really, we've had all these testimonies. And in fasting, one of the things that I want to talk about is uh, Bishop David Oyedepo in Nigeria, he said, concerning fasting, he said, don't eat away your destiny. In other words, 
fasting is something that we should do that will break the chains of mediocrity and all kinds of other things. It will bring about the anointing of God in our life. And he says, don't just eat and never fast and eat away your destiny. We are supposed to fast as believers. Jesus said it like this. He said, when you fast. <laughs> he didn't say if you fast. He said, when the bridegroom goes away, my followers will fast, right? He's expecting us to fast. And then you see that carrying on through Acts and, and into the rest of the New Testament. It didn't just stop because Jesus was here and then he went back up to heaven. That's really when it started for us, right? So don't eat away your destiny by never fasting. And that's what he was saying because your destiny God's got some great plans for you. But we want to move into the places where we fast. We start moving into those places of God's destiny for us. And then we want to move into the fullness of it, not just drop it and have a great life for a week or two or three that we were fasting and then back up and everything fall apart again. That's the mediocrity I'm talking about. When you fast and then everything goes back to normal. Or you get prayer and then everything goes back to normal. Um, there's a, uh, I was thinking about this recently. I've, and being in ministry uh, for, gosh, how, about 17? It was uh, about 16 years. Yeah, 16 years we've been in ministry when God called me. And over that 16 years, I've had the opportunity to see some things. One of those things uh, that I've started to notice, I'm starting to see some cycles now, and I'm starting to see some repetition in the body of Christ, some traps that they fall into, that they go into and come out of, and go into and come out of. And one of those is this. You will see um, this. You will see somebody that will break ground with the Lord. And they will move into some high places of God, you know. And they'll move to some different levels with God that a lot of people aren't doing. And they'll, they'll break ground. We're kind of doing that here at Boomerang like that. We're, we're breaking ground. This is a ministry that we are really breaking into some new areas. We started with nothing. Breaking ground. And through that, there's birth pains of that. But a lot of things, here's, here's what's become very clear to me. I've learned some stuff, right? I, I've learned some stuff I didn't know, you know. And uh, I've learned, and we as a body have learned some things that we didn't know. And we're going to carry those things, those things that we've learned as foundational. But what's going to happen is, as time goes on, you're going to have other people that will start to join Boomerang and what we're doing, and they will ride on the anointings and the groundbreaking that we did. You see? Which is beautiful. That's the design. But what happens is, when you get into that kind of second generation and then third generation, is they weren't the ones who broke the spiritual ground. They weren't the ones who hungered so much for the anointing that they did go on the fast. They weren't the ones that hungered for the things of God so much that it became foundational to them. This character became foundational. And I've watched how some of that thinking becomes, you know, what they're actually doing is they're flowing in an anointing that somebody else hungered and paid for, which is biblical. But then they start to think, well, my giftings... And my callings, they're mine, and they won't go away. You know? 
And they don't. They're without repentance. But your character and your foundations is what upholds that gifting. So how many ministers have you seen that were called an anointing, but their character did not support their gifting, and before you know it, they have a fall? So a lot of times you'll see second and third generation people in a ministry, and man, they're walking in anointings, and the truth of the matter is a lot of times they don't even know how they got there. They don't know why those giftings and anointings are moving and operating in their life. They don't really know that the foundation was laid by somebody else. And they are just a recipient, a part of that, along with the giftings and callings. Imagine the person that broke the ground, if, if they weren't called to break the ground and they actually stepped into somebody else that had broken the ground and was moving and anointing, imagine how high they could have gone, you see? But a lot of times that second and third generation gets to the place where they don't, it, it, they don't have those foundational things and all of a sudden the character is not there to support that gifting and all of a sudden you have a fall. All of a sudden you have mediocrity and they don't realize that it was the foundation that somebody else laid that really helped bring them to that place where they had you know just this regular gifting in at a normal place would be that high but because they had a spiritual foundation and giftings and anointings that had been laid correctly now that same gifting puts an output that's like two or three times more and it looks amazing heavenly but it's got to do with the original foundation and the original hunger and foundation that that groundbreaker did or something like that so a lot of times what happens is when we don't recognize those things and apply some discipline to our character then all of a sudden we we have giftings we have callings they're meant to be amazing but we fall back into mediocrity. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, another example of that is, uh, I'll give you three things, like a lottery or maybe an inheritance, somebody who wins a lottery or somebody who has an inheritance or a settlement or something like that, right? You know what the stats are on people that win the lottery? It's like three, not good, yeah, three years they have nothing and they have nothing to show for it. That's an average person that wins a lottery. You know why? Because the reason why most people are they're living in mediocrity before because they don't have the disciplines to gain and keep wealth. And so then you just give them a bunch of money and all of a sudden it just goes. They don't have the accountability. They don't, uh, they don't have the stuff and the people in place to give them wise financial advice. They're not listening to people that, that can give them that kind of advice. They're not seeking it. They, they weren't in that place to begin with because of a lack of humility and knowledge and, and things like that. And so you just pile a bunch of money on that level of character and that, those, let me put it this way, those disciplines and the money just goes away. All of a sudden it goes to nothing. Why? Because there's no discipline there to support the gift. All right. Another thing, uh, I know this has never happened to any one of y'all at all or me. Uh, this has never happened to any of us, you know, is we go on a diet and we lose the weight and then 
we stop doing the diet and we put all the weight back on plus more. That's never, but have you seen other people, not us, but have you seen other people fall into that before, right? Why is that? Because what they'll do is they'll apply disciplines for a period of time, but then they don't apply the same disciplines after that. It's all the same areas, okay? They, have you ever seen... Um, let, for example, like this, this happens a lot. I, it kind of goes with what I started with. I watch as people will come up for prayer, and I know that the power of God is present to break bondages and break anointings, to heal them. I know it's present. I can feel it. And if, I, if you sense anything of God or believe the Word of God, it's happening. You know? And let's say, that, let's say that somebody comes up, and I don't feel a thing, but I pray the prayer of faith, well, what does the word tell me just happened? They got healed. And whether I felt anything, they felt anything or not, the, the prayer of faith will save the sick. And healing was transferred from heaven through maybe a vessel, through a person, into that person. Whether we felt anything or not, but a lot of times we do feel something. We, we can, not only did we pray the prayer of faith, but we also feel it and have an evidence, kind of a tangible evidence that, man, power was released. Power was there. And then I, wa I watch, and I've, I myself have done this so many times, it, it's frustrating. And I'll know that power was released. I know that power was there to heal in a meeting. And then I'll walk out and I'll still be sick. And I'll still have that. You know? And I know that we've experienced that kind of stuff before. But why is that? You know, or let's say this. Let's say that somebody has... Um, let, let's just talk about smoking, right? Because I, I dealt with that multiple times before. Uh, let's talk about that. And we're... We're talking about, you know, breaking the addiction, right? Breaking the addiction over our life. And I know when I, and I in particular in that circumstance, I, I have faith to believe that that addiction and the power, the bondage of that is broken when I pray over that. And so I'll pray over that because I struggled with it for a long time and I know how to deal with it. I know how to break that thing and I got a heart for people that are addicted to that. So I, it, it just is one of those compassions in me. And that, that compassion really is a love that produces some big faith in me for that area. And uh, so I'll pray and I'll know that that power is broken over that person. I'll know that that power is broken. But what will happen? Somebody will get prayer for it and they will might do good for a couple of days, but then they go back to it. But I know that power was there. So what happened? And here's, here's what happens in those circumstances a lot of times. Somebody will feel the power of God and everything, and they will receive the anointing of God to break the power. But breaking the power versus breaking the habit are two different things. See, a lot of times what we don't see is we're, we're so used you know, to going in a circle we're so used to going in a circle and going in a circle, you know, in that addiction, in that addiction, in that addiction, you know. Man, I better not get dizzy. Um, I, we're so used to going in a circle and then all of a sudden we stop and get prayer. But what's been our norm? 
going in a circle. And so even though I've been given the power to break out of that circle, I don't put two and two together that that thing, that circle's not binding me anymore. And so I've got, but I've got a habit of when I feel this, and so like take smoking for instance, when I feel the pull on my body to have that nicotine again, when you feel that pull to drop faith or you feel that pull to blow up at your coworker or whatever, you feel that pull, in our mind the habit is I've always blown up on the coworker. In our mind the habit is I've always given in to that addiction to nicotine and you know I've always given in to that and so what do we do we go right back to the habit of it but if we really realize that what happened same person we realize what happened in that prayer the anointing was there to break that what that means is I have been given strength through the anointing of God that when I feel that pull to blow up on somebody, not act in love, break the addiction, or, or feel the pull of an addiction like, like smoking or nicotine or something. Now it's different. Even though I've always gone in circles before, it's different now because I don't have the chains that are dragging me back to that circle, back to that cycle. I can decide and change a habit and say, because that power's broken, it, it did have a power that had me gripped. But when I got prayer, that grip was loosed. That power was bound. And now I'm free to make a decision to start a new habit that says, no, I'm not going to have that. No, I'm not going to blow up on that person. But see, if we don't realize the disciplines to change the habits and the reality that the anointing has broken that, then we're going to stay in mediocrity. And until we realize the difference between those two, we will constantly walk in circles, get prayer. Oh, I feel so good. Walk in, you know, oh, da, da, you know, go back to that. Oh, I feel so good. So, I love going to church. It's so awesome. You know, my pastor's so great. Y'all think that all the time. Amen. All right. And, but then we'll go right back here. We'll go right. And then, oh, I get more prayer. Oh, I read something in the Word. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And then we'll go right back here. And we've got to learn that those circles, we've got to break the habit of them. It's I have to apply. I have to look to the Lord. I have to look to the Lord and grab a hold of some of His strength and say, I know right now I don't feel like I have strength to set a new habit. I feel like, you know, uh, giving in to the nicotine. I feel like giving in to my flesh that wants to tell that person off. I feel like, but Lord, I trust you. I, I'm disciplining my thoughts. I'm disciplining my actions to look to you as my strength because I know that the bondages have been now been broken and I will step out of that mediocrity and into the new heights that God has for me. Amen. So fasting is the same way. Fasting, we know in Isaiah 58, there's just a bunch of benefits to it. Uh, getting prayer, it will break chains. It will break yokes. But see, here's part of the issue is we're looking at the habits to define whether or not the prayer worked. 
No, no, no. The prayer worked. You got to tell your habit what happened, not let your habit tell you what happened. You see, you got to discipline yourself after what the Word has told you that that power is broken in your life instead of looking at your life to tell you whether or not the Word worked. Does that make sense? Amen? So fasting is that way. It'll break chains. It'll break yokes. But without disciplines, without discipline, the benefits will be short-lived and mediocrity will creep in like a thief and steal your fullness without you even realizing it. So we've got to learn how to, it's just like on the diet. I can't go and, you know, eat, eat only vegetables and fruits. I can't do that for three months and, and, and drop a bunch of pounds and then, you know, go back to pizza every night and expect that I'm like gonna, it's going to stay off. I've got, to, I've got to employ some discipline and look to the Lord as my strength. I've got, if I'm going to fast and hit these highs with God, part of the reason for fasting is not just to give you a good week or two or three. The part of fasting is to break the stuff so that you can have a good month, a good year, a good life. That's the reason why we do that, is to establish, break the chains that pull us down and move into new disciplines. Move into new disciplines. Amen? And, and that's what, in other words, before, a lot of times those bondages, they keep us going in circles, and that's what needs to be broken. It's like you, you almost can't break out of the circle. You can't break out of the bad habits because there's a spiritual chain, there's a spiritual bondage that's holding you in that place. But when we get prayer or when we fast and pray, now that spiritual thing that we can't see with our eyes is broken and we've got to face that reality and say, I don't have to do that anymore. I won't be mediocre. I won't live in mediocrity. I'm going to rise to the heights that God has told me I can rise to. Amen? Amen. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 4 and verse uh, 1. And I'm just going to kind of give you the summary. You should go and look at this and read through it for yourself. So Jesus gets baptized. Jesus gets baptized by John. He prays the heavens open. And ever since that moment, there's been an open heaven over earth, okay? In other words, we, there's a connection to God that we can have for anybody that humbles themselves from that moment forward, right? So the heavens open right there. The Holy Spirit comes on Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness. And what does he do? He fasts and prays for 40 days, right? Then he goes out there and it says, For forty days, being tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. I reckon so. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now what's happening here? There's an anointing on Jesus, is there not? And then he just spent, we're talking about the Son of God, just spent 40 days in the wilderness, just him and the Father, fasting, praying, spending time with God. 
Can you imagine where he was at? Don't you think, see, I think a lot of times what we do is we get in that place and we're like, praise God, I just, I just, man, if that was us, you know, I fasted and prayed for 40 days. I'm super Christian, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, woo, right? That, man, nobody laughed at that. That was so good. <laughs> Ric Flair, come on now. <laughs> and uh, anyway, they'll be like, I'm super Christian, but then the devil shows up and you're like, now, what are you doing here? You know, in our mind, it's like, I just spent time with God. And what are we really expecting God to do? God, beat that devil down. Keep him away from me. I should not have to be dealing with him. I just spent 40 days with you. I just got good prayer at the altar. Why is this sickness coming back? I should not be dealing with this sickness. But see... Time with the Lord and you becoming super Christian is not about the devil never attacking you. It's about you having the power to be an overcomer. And so even though he just spent all this time with God, it did. let me ask you this, did God protect him? Well, he let the devil come, but was Jesus hurt? No. Why? Because he employed what the Father had given him. Now, if Jesus would have just said, God, why don't you come and take care of this devil? God would have said, I empowered you to do that. I empowered you to do that. We're going to hit a point in just a second. Here's the thing. He needed to employ some discipline on what he had just received. In other words, here comes the devil, and a lot of times we fuss at God because the devil came. And God's saying, you are free. The chains are broken off. Let's make a new habit of beating him down. Amen. Let's make a new habit there. All right, and so sure enough, what happens? Jesus, he just says, okay, I know who my source is. He looked on the Father to receive his strength, to receive a rhema word three different times, three temptations, three different... Three different words that he received, and what did he do? He beat the devil back, and then basically told him, get out of here, you know, because you've got no place here. That's the way we're supposed to be. He patterned what we're supposed to do. But a lot of times we get upset because the devil shows up. A lot of times we get upset because the addictions come back and, and we're feeling the pull or, or we're feeling the anger towards the coworker that said the wrong thing to us. We're seeing all these things and we've got to learn, all right, I got the power, now I've got to break the habit. I've got to use the power to break the habit and establish new disciplines. And that's what's going to not only take us to new levels, but keep us there. Amen? Amen. So then, let's look at James 4, 7. Did you just laugh to yourself and say, I was looking? It's awesome. Yeah, he's like, I got this. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself therefore unto God. Therefore to God. I went King James, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now let me show you something. This is a command. What are we submitting? Are we submitting our spirit? If we're born again, our spirit is in line with God, so it's not really our spirit that we're submitting. We're submitting our flesh and our mind, right? 
So, and he says, submit ourselves to God. So we're submitting our flesh and our mind to the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee from Now, the understood subject in this verse, in both uh, sentences there, who's, who is he talking to? The believer, us, right? And he told us, submit the flesh and resist the devil. Now, let me, let me ask you something. This is a command from God to believers, to people. Is this command going to change? No. So, why should we think that when our flesh rises up or the devil rises up, that God's all of a sudden going to be like, no, you don't have to do it at all. You don't have to employ any discipline. But see, that's how we've been living a lot of times is because we're like, God, take care of it. God, do it. And God does take care of it. He empowers you to create new disciplines, to create new, new habits. He breaks the chains off of your life. That anointing comes there and it takes out all the chains that held you down to the old bad habits and it breaks all of those so that now I can step into a new discipline. This is not going to change. He He's told us what to do and who's supposed to do that. We even see that in Jesus, him doing the same thing. A lot of times mediocrity is simply this. We think that God's going to break his word and swoop in there and make everything perfect and we never have to submit our flesh and we never have to resist the devil. That is incorrect theology. That is incorrect thinking, and we will be beat up and held by mediocrity for the rest of our lives if we don't understand that point. Resist the devil and submit the flesh are commands and disciplines that will not change. What changes is the empowerment to carry them out. See, when you receive prayer, you become empowered to make those new habits submit your flesh, and resist the devil. When you receive prayer, you are empowered to make this happen. You mean me? I'm not a preacher. Every person that is a believer in Christ is empowered. That's what, you know, in church, one of the things is that the leader should be walking in an anointing that helps break those chains and empowers every believer that helps them live. We're living this thing together, arm in arm. They should get up underneath you and, and lift you up with that gifting and calling that they have. And when we fast, what are we doing? We're breaking the chains and we're empowering. It's, it's part of us doing those things so that we will now be empowered to create new habits, to move into the disciplines of God, submit the flesh. You know, I'll have people say, well, I just can't, I've heard this many times over the years, well, well I just can't stop, you know, being angry. Yeah, you can. But, but you've got to decide to. I just can't stop this. Yes, you can. You just have to make a decision that I'm going to. You have to see that God is empowering you to do it and believe on His empowerment to do that. You know, when we say, I can't, what we're denying is the thing where God said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're saying that's not true, and I'm sorry, but if I've got to make a choice between God line and you line, I'm sorry, but is this going to be us, right? It's not going to be God. And so... Resist the devil and submit the flesh are commands and disciplines that will not change. What changes is the empowerment to carry them out. 
James 1.22, if you back up, it says, Prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves or who deceive themselves. See, a lot of times that's what we're doing is we're hearing the word, we're hearing that we're empowered, but then we just sit back and say, God, do it all. And we're not doing it. We're not making new habits. We're not making new disciplines. We're just saying, God, you fix it. Fix it all. Fix it all. If you go on, you remember in Luke 4, Jesus was in, you know, tempted in the wilderness. And if you carry on, uh, last scripture here, Luke 4, 14, you carry on in that chapter and you see that this is where Jesus comes back to Nazareth where he was raised. And you see that he comes into the temple, he reads the, uh, about the anointing. Which, what does the anointing do? It breaks the yoke. It breaks the bondages. He reads in Isaiah 61, and in verse uh, 18, he reads about that. But let me just read this to you real quick. Verse 14, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Isn't that what we're talking about? He was empowered. And news about him spread to all the surrounding district, and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. So he's doing some good stuff. It's, and it's becoming known. So in other words, I mean, there's times in my life where I've tried to become known for a long period of time. It didn't work out too well. But it's actually happening to Jesus. He's moving in some stuff, right? He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Now this is important. He had been brought up there. As was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So what's he talking about there? He's talking about an anointing. He's talking about a power from God that he was given now, and he's operating in, to help others break out of mediocrity, to help others break free. And then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and, all, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to, to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him and wondering uh, at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And then he says, And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, there were, this is a key verse, There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were, was cleansed, but only Naaman the, Syria, the Syrian. 
And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove them out of the city and led them to the brow of the hill of which their city had been built in order to throw, them, throw him down from the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went his way. Now, what was he known for when he walked into this place? The power of God had been pouring out on him, right? And he was becoming known because of this anointing. The power of God was being poured out. Well, I don't know about you, but wouldn't just humility teach us that if somebody's walking in the power of God and I need the power of God in my life, wouldn't it just be a good thing to say, well, he might be from here, he might be saying some crazy stuff, but I need help, right, and humble. Well, not to mention we know he's the son of God. And that's kind of what got him in trouble is with them in their head was he's, they're saying, you're saying you're equal with God. And aren't you from Nazareth? But then he says this, he says, physician, heal thyself. And what he's really saying is, he's saying that they were thinking in their head, well, now that you're somebody, come heal us. Right? Come heal us. Heal Nazareth. Heal the people here. And then Jesus told them, I, you know, people are not received everywhere. And when his point about Elijah and Elijah was this, he said, how many widows were sitting in the land that needed to be fed when that famine was on? A lot? He said, yet God only sent Elijah to one. And how many, how many people, how many lepers were there when Elisha was there? And God only sent one leper to Elijah to get healed. So this is what we have to ask. What was the difference between Elijah and Elisha? What was the difference with those ones that he sent them to and that were sent to him? If there was a lot of them, but he was only sent to one and one was only sent, what was the difference? It was the humility of the heart. It was the humility of the heart. And so right here, what, what we see is that a lot of times the problem is, you know, here's Jesus in front of them, and here's Jesus in front of them, the miracle worker, the anointed one of God, and nobody received. The one who came, he even just got finished telling them, I come to bring an anointing. But then what he says is, basically, I can't do that work here because of the humility of your heart. I can't do that. Jesus is in front of them, but there was no results. They didn't employ humility, even though freedom from heaven was standing right in front of them. They didn't receive it. See, a lot of times we have the power of God standing right in front of us. We received prayer. We fasted and stuff broke off of us. And even though we are empowered, we haven't broken habits and we haven't employed new disciplines. We haven't humbled ourselves to the word that says, you submit the flesh. You look on the strength of God and the empowerment of God now to break the cycle and come out of mediocrity. 
You do this. You employ the anointing that's standing in front of you. But we haven't humbled ourselves to that. And so what ends up happening is we just keep going through the cycle and we keep coming up for prayer and we keep coming up from prayer. Or we fast and things are great for a few weeks and then all of a sudden they drop back to the same old mediocre state. We have to employ, if we disciple ourselves, if we discipline ourselves, and we start to use the freedom that fasting brings or anointed prayer, faith, the prayer of faith brings, if we will use that strength, then now the fullness and the normal of God and the heights of heaven can be.